Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Second hour underway live from Nashville. Outkick 360 rolls on with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The entire crew making the show happen for us. Man, uh, we are not even officially into the new league year. And every year you look up and you see the list of all the NFL moves, trades, uh, contracts that have been agreed to. And you, you think, man, the league year has, has already started, even though it's not official. Uh, and we have the official uh, guy to uh, chat about all things. Deshaun Watson, uh, who is going to get traded uh, sooner rather than later. And we get into a number of headlines across the league. Uh, both offensively and defensively, of, of players who have agreed to terms and contracts that will be official tomorrow afternoon. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Joins us each week. Uh, our favorite guest of the week is John McClain, and he joins us now. John, hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Fantastic. Tell us... The latest on Watson. I, I, I was going to say, tell us the teams involved, but who knows? Maybe there's there's more that have been added to this list that grows by the day, and ultimately it's Deshaun Watson's choice because of the no-trade clause. People seem to lose sight of that fact. The, fact, the, the truth is he's had four NFC South teams interested in him. Obviously, Tampa Bay withdrew that interest Sunday when Tom Brady announced that he's returning. He's got the others interested in him, and ordinarily that would be good But because you would have competition. But say that Carolina offered three number ones, two twos, and two defensive starters like uh, pass rusher Brian Burns and safety Jeremy Chen, which would solve two huge needs on the Texan defense, and Atlanta said, ah, we'll give you two twos and a one. And Nick Casario, the general manager, would say, look, that's not fair. There's no way we're taking the offer from Atlanta. We want to trade Watson to Carolina. And Watson goes, no, uh-uh. I'm not going to Carolina. I will only go to Atlanta. Then the only thing that they could do, if indeed he wanted them to take a low-ball offer, would be to say, okay, you either go to Carolina or you sit out next season, two seasoners row. You won't play. We'll pay you $35 million. That's tip money to an NFL owner. And we'll let you sit out again. Then it would become a game of chicken. You hope that all the offers would be similar. Texans have been looking for three ones, two twos, and a couple of starters. They would have taken less than Miami right before the trade deadline, three ones, a three, and a five. And then I think once Russell Wilson was traded for such a haul from Denver, their price probably went up. 
And he's also meeting with Cleveland. I have no idea why. Texans have no interest in Baker Mayfield. He's coming off shoulder surgery. He's in the last year of his contract. He hasn't lived up to being the number one pick in the draft. And the weather in Cleveland playing on the banks of Lake Erie can be the worst in the NFL. And Watson's one game there in 2020 in the middle of November, the weather was so bad with wind, rain, and lightning, they had to evacuate the stadium, and he averaged 3.2 yards per attempt. So I, the Texans are giving approval to whoever he wants to meet with, and they're coming in here uh, like he's a dignitary, and they're coming to pay respects, but ultimately he has to approve the deal. New Orleans, not a lot of players I don't think they would want. They don't want veterans. They want young, talented guys on their first contracts because the Texans are still rebuilding. And New Orleans could give them a first, second, and a low third-round pick, which would give Texans seven of the first 100 this season. And then there will be more to pay the next two seasons. And the big question with the Falcons, what happens to Matt Ryan? Texans have no interest in Matt Ryan. They just redid his contract to lower his cap figure from 48 to 36 million. And if they trade him, they get a $55 million dead hit if it's before June 1st. John, I'm curious if there's the, the right happy meeting, you know, the right matching point where Deshaun Watson goes to a team he wants to go to and he approves it, and that team has the capital and what they can trade away that the Texans want. Let's look at this strictly from Deshaun Watson's side. You've seen all the options out there. You just laid it out there nicely. What do you think is the best option for Deshaun Watson from a football standpoint? If he's making a football decision of where he could go, what's number one on your list of the options you've seen? Well, the only one of those teams that had a winning record last year was the Saints, but they've lost their coach, Sean Payton, Dennis Allen, who was fired in his stint, first stint as head coach, has taken over. Saints have humongous salary cap issues, as does Atlanta. Carolina could absorb his $35 million contract, which comes out of your cap immediately unless you redo that contract, extend it even more, and lower that cap figure this year. But it's $35 million he's going to earn on a base salary. So I would think that the Saints have been historically better, but that was with Sean Payton. Carolina, which is close to his hometown in Gainesville, in, uh, Gainesville Georgia, Matt Rule could be fired next season if they don't win. But their owner, David Tepper, wants a new stadium. Best way to get a new stadium is to win. You start with a franchise quarterback. As far as Atlanta, they've been. there's been a lot of talk about them getting another con- quarterback instead of Matt Ryan. But when they restructured his deal, they said they committed to him. He'll be 37 next season. And none of them have won. A team that was interested, Seattle, has a lot of draft capital. You know, they lost last season, but they won the year before, and they've got Pete Carroll and John Schneider, and they do have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as their receivers. And now young tight end, Noah Fant, that would be a prolific passing game, but I think he don't want to move all the way across the country. It's pretty it's pretty obvious he wants to stay in the eastern or central time zones. John McClain with us from the Houston Chronicle joins us weekly on OutKick. Um, John, did the Colts call the Texans and did the Texans say no? 
Well, of course they would say no. I can't believe Chris Ballard insulted them enough to call to see if they would trade him within the division. And of course they would not. Indy's desperate for a quarterback after they traded Carson Wentz. They're going to have their fifth in five years. Maybe they would be interested in Matt Ryan. Maybe the Colts would be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo or Jordan Love. They got to do something there, but I guess you do your due diligence. That phone call, I doubt is even a phone call. I bet it was a text yeah. with a quick yeah. no. Well, I'm curious. So are, are teams calling the Texans or are they calling Watson's representation? How is this going you down? Have, yeah, you have to call the Texans. It's tampering. If you don't, he's under contract. So the Texans have to give permission, and then they talk to Watson, and ultimately it's going to come down to which team he waves his no-trade clause for. Teams are going for a lot of trouble, and he may say, hey, sorry, bud, I'm not coming there. And uh, they could have traded him to Philadelphia last season, but he rejected Philadelphia. There's a report he rejected Carolina. Technically, technically rejected the Titans. Technically, he rejected everybody because he said, I'm only going to Miami. Yeah, and I I bring that question up about who they call, who these teams call, because – I mean, if Watson said, I want to go to Indy, that's, I mean, that's where he would go, right? No, they would let him sit out next season and, and pay not him? play him. Before, of course, $35 million, the Rockets are paying John Wall $40 million not to play. We can't think of $35 million in our terms. We have to think of it like NFL teams get $300 million a year for TV before they ever get gambling revenue or memorabilia revenue before they ever sell a ticket. So $35 million is chump change to an NFL owner. John, is the Texans' belief in Davis Mills legit? Absolutely, Chad. It sure is. They like the guy over the last five games when he played his best rookie quarterback in the league, and that includes Mac Jones. Now, for the season, Mac Jones was better. He was second best. It wasn't even close. And, yes, they liked him a lot. One reason, Pep Hamilton – had five opportunities to go as an offensive coordinator, and he stayed here because he has faith in him. So does Levy Smith, and so does Nick Casario. Now, all they can tell you is he's going to be the quarterback going into next season. And if he doesn't make the kind of improvement they expect, then they'll be in the market for a quarterback in uh, 2023. John, the, the grand jury last week came down and said they're not moving forward with criminal charges. Uh, the 22 civil charges remain out there with those allegations, but yet immediately there was uh, relief's the wrong word, but teams are more willing to make a trade now for Watson than before, even though the 22 civil suits remain active. What was it about the criminal charges not moving forward that have opened up the doors for all of these different organizations now? I'm stunned, guys. I thought teams would want resolution in those 22 civil suits. If you read those civil suits, there's some sordid accusations in there. And if they don't go to court or if he doesn't reach settlements with with non-disclosure clauses, then say he were to be traded to the Titans, then all of a sudden his accusers could be calling you guys and want to go on OutKick or other media outlets in Tennessee and telling their tales again right when he gets there. And they are ugly tales. And he's innocent till proven guilty. So a grand jury may think you're guilty, but they also, if they don't think there's enough evidence for the prosecutor to prove the case, then they know Bill. Him. And that's what they did with him last week. So teams lined up. Now they want to know about those civil suits. 
first thing they want to know. In a two-year period after you get here, you're going to have at least 42 massage, different people giving you massages, because that's what it is here that we know of. Could be more. So they're going to want some kind of guarantee. This this situation, which he's at, at you know, at the least, he's guilty of bad judgment. Most players have two. One for massaging him all the time, and if that person can't do it, they have a second one. It knows what the player wants, and he had at least 42 that we know of. And so that's something they're going to know. Another thing is I don't think any team is just going to take him blindly and let him come in and play. I think he's got to repair his image, which he said in his statement after the grand jury made its ruling about repairing his image. One of the ways he's going to have to do that, I believe, is he's going to have to admit that he used bad judgment. He's not going to put himself in that situation again. I think he'll have to donate some money to some organizations. And until those civil suits started to pile up in March, he was a very, very popular player with everyone. John McClain with us. John, finally on just this story and maybe a layer or two deeper, I'm, in, I'm intrigued not just by the draft picks that would be traded, but the, the young talent that the Texans would want to acquire because that would be a big domino for the top five of the NFL draft. The Texans need a lot of help in multiple spots, but you detailed this in one of your columns at cron.com and texassportsnation.com. They, if, if they need help at safety, they need help at pass rush, and if they don't get that as a young, talented player in a trade, they're likely doing that within the first five picks of the draft. They have the third overall pick, and their biggest need is the running game. It was the worst in the NFL last season. It was 31st the year before. It was the worst in franchise history, even worse than their expansion season of 2002. And it's got to start up front. They've got to get tougher and more physical up front. Their leading rusher was Rex Burkhead. He had the fewest yards rushing of any team leader in the NFL last season. He had the fewest yards rushing of any team leader in fan franchise history. So he should be the third back. They need two more. Now, you don't have to get them in the first round, but to start in the second round, if you want Kenneth Walker the third and Brees Hall, you know, you got to do it quick and they have fifth overall pick in the third round. And they need a pass rusher for their defensive line to be complete. And they let Justin Reed get away in free agency, never made him an offer. So there's a good chance they could use that third overall pick of Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. But if they made a deal with Carolina, and got defensive end Brian Burns and safety Jeremy Chin included, boom, there go the two biggest needs on defense. But I just can't imagine Carolina giving up two players like that as well as three number one picks. But I never thought that Denver would give up as much as it did for Russell Wilson. I know coaches don't like hypotheticals, but we we live in in hypotheticals. I'm curious to get your take on this, John. Uh, wherever, Wherever Watson ends up, the quarterback that's in place, an example, Atlanta with Matt Ryan, um, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. Let's just assume those two. Do you think one of those two guys, let's say he goes to Atlanta or Cleveland, do you think Baker Mayfield or Matt Ryan is the next Colts quarterback? Is that where Indy will turn, is wherever Watson is? Well, if you're bringing in Deshaun Watson, and if you're going to keep those guys on your roster until you can trade them, you've got to count his $35 million on your cap. 
So I would imagine before they pull the trigger, they would have another deal worked out. Now, would Indy want Mayfield for the reasons I said earlier, coming off shoulder surgery, never being as good as his reputation and being a pain in the butt there as well? The people that really be upset are those people from Progressive Insurance, <laughs> and we wouldn't have to watch those commercials anymore. And then Matt Ryan, at his age, does he want to go from the friendly confines of Mercedes-Benz Stadium to playing in the worst weather in the NFL? I don't know. He's got a no-trade clause. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I don't even count the Browns as a serious contender. In Carolina, it would be taking over for Sam Darnold, who was a huge bust last season. And then uh, the problem they've got in New Orleans is Jameis Winston who got hurt early in the year. He's unrestricted, and they really don't have a quarterback, which is one of the reasons they're so desperate to get Watson. Big trades, big signings, and the return of Brady. That's all straight ahead and with John McClain. crazy story involving Randy Gregory yeah. and a switcheroo that happened yeah. today. We've we'll, got to talk to John about We'll detail that as well. You're right. That is a, a odd story. Uh, you don't see it mo- that often. Uh, where a team backs out of an agreement, a guy backs out of an agreement well, to go to a, another team, where and a not team his own. tweets out a story about signing someone, yeah. and then minutes later he's somewhere else. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that. But Brady is back. We'll get John's take on the goat returning to the Bucks and the impact that has on the NFC. Uh, we'll also get into what the Chargers are doing. They're taking full advantage of a quarterback under a rookie contract, trying to to build for the here and now with Justin Herbert. That's all straight ahead on Outkick Three Sixty. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. John McClain with us. We're talking all the NFL headlines. We hit on Deshaun Watson. If you missed uh, portions of that or any part of the show, you can always find the audio wherever you download your podcasts or by subscribing to the YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad everyone's tuned in today. John, Tom Brady is back. Uh, the Bucks just traded for Shaq Mason. They get a starting offensive guard to help protect the greatest of all time behind center, uh, but Brady being back and the impact that it now has on the league where you remove, you mentioned Tampa was in the running or in the mix at least for Deshaun Watson. And now with Tom Brady back, I would expect, expect Gronkowski's going to return and others as the Bucks dive right back in and are right back in the thick of the Super Bowl race. They got big time gap issues. One of their players, Alex Tampa. Signed with Cincinnati. They've replaced him now with Shaq Mason. And they've got, I think, eight or nine more guys who were there last year who are unsigned. But they're going to have to move some money around, which people are going to understand if in two or three years they, they're bad again because they moved as much cap space ahead so they could try to win with Brady. They immediately come a Super Bowl contender along with Green Bay and the NFL and not just the Buccaneers, but the whole league is better off with Tom Brady back. And I'll bet you that sense of TV people scrambling <laughs> who are making out the schedule and usually have it out around the time of the draft 
but you know the Bucks will get the maximum appearances. Plus, they play in Germany. And yeah. the fact is they can promote Brady like crazy for the first ever regular season game played in Germany. So there was a very different reaction when Brett Favre uh, came out of retirement. Certainly multiple times makes it different. Um, not a real negative reaction to Tom Brady uh, breaking the news that he's retiring and then two months later coming out of retirement. Um, do you expect that to change at all, John, or is this just a difference between the way we view Tom Brady versus the way we viewed Brett Favre at the time? Well, Favre had won one Super Bowl, and, you know, what's Brady won now? Seven? <laughs> and uh, there's a difference. Plus, Favre did that so many times, and people were tired of it. They just became numb to it. Now, Brady does it again next year and the year after. He may get the Favre reaction. But I think people realize how important Brady is to the NFL and how we all like to watch him. Even if we don't like him, we still like to watch him. And the people that were unhappy – with the teams in the NFC South. They're like, well, we're going to get Deshaun Watson. We're going to win this division. Well, now they get Deshaun Watson, and they'll still be favored to be number two. Well, you're right. One group that is very happy, the league office uh, in New York City for the NFL with Tom Brady back. Dallas Cowboys probably not all that happy right now, John. Uh, They've released, they tweet out a story, Randy Gregory re-signs, re-ups with the Cowboys, and minutes later, you got the Broncos trolling them on Twitter, uh, with Stephen Colbert, surprise, and then the news about Randy Gregory going to Denver. Uh, bad day for the Cowboys. Well, what, do, what do you make of this story? We don't see this that often. Chad, like, they showed a lot of patience with Randy Gregory, who's been at the first years of his career, one suspension after another, because he couldn't keep from smoking pot. Now it's no big deal. They don't get tested. He Last year, he played well. They were giving him $72 million and 28 guaranteed, but they wanted a clause in there, and I don't blame him, that if he, if something happened to him again and he relapsed or anything like that that would keep him from playing, they wanted some financial relief. His agent, who had been quoted as saying it was a done deal, pivoted to Denver where he's from, and the Broncos jumped all over it. And uh, that's a lot of money for a guy that's been so up and down, mostly down, in his career. Follow John McLean on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, uh, can you explain what Jacksonville's doing? Um, when you look at the money that they've dished out for some of the players that you look up and you go, they're, they're betting on this guy to be a number one type player. I mean, the, the money they've handed out already, uh, teams do this. But with Jacksonville, I'm looking at their moves thinking, okay, for the most part, the players they've signed are who they are. I don't see them getting much better. Maybe you you disagree, but Christian Kirk getting that type of money uh, where he's now a top three paid wide receiver is crazy to me. Since they can't win in regular season, they're trying to win March. They've done it before, and they'll probably do it again. It's very important to them to win March. One reason is they have so many problems selling tickets. So they're bringing in these guys. And they're going to let one of their best players, linebacker Miles Jack, get away. And there will be multiple teams interested in him. I don't understand that. If they brought in these players and they kept their best players, that's one thing. But if you go back to that 2017 Jaguars team, they came so close to getting to the Super Bowl before losing at Gillette Stadium 
in the AFC Championship game, almost every player is left there because of money. And Miles Jack will be because of money, because they didn't want to keep him anymore. So it'll get fans and media fired up at this time of year. And boy, they'll be pumped going into training camp. And maybe it'll be different. Maybe they won't finish in last place. They've been swept by the Texans for four seasons. They've lost eight in a row, as bad as the Texans were last season. So I'm happy for the Jaguars and their fans and Doug Peterson. If you're not going to win any time, at least win in March. Well, they're they're trying to do that, but I don't even know if they're winning in March uh, based on uh, some of the some of the names compared to you know like Amari Cooper getting traded. They're signing big money to to Christian Kirk, and I'm thinking wh- where is the disconnect here? Because uh, to me, some of the the moves just don't line up with with how we view some of these guys. Well, Jonathan, I'm talking about winning March. I'm talking about spending the most money. Okay, certainly not with the players they're bringing in. Christian Kirk, not shouldn't be the third highest or fourth highest paid. He shouldn't even be the 24th highest paid player, receiver. More power to him. I'm for players getting everything they can get. But if you look what he did as a slot receiver at Arizona after he came out of Texas A&M, and Arizona is his own state, and uh, he certainly wasn't worth that kind of money. Maybe Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson see something nobody else sees. You know what they did. They figure there's you can't put a price on trying to help Trevor Lawrence, who should be the generational a generational quarterback who struggled as a rookie last season. So the Browns released Jarvis Landry, John. What's a, a landing spot for him that makes sense right now? Every receiver wants to go to Kansas City and play with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen that rumor out there. They're talking about New England being another team for him. He won't have a trouble getting with another team. But if you're bringing in Amari Cooper and getting rid of Jarvis Landry, you know, to me, those guys are about the same. You should have both of them. Last year, they had Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. He goes to the Rams, wins the Super Bowl. So with with Cooper and Peoples-Jones as their starting wide receivers, it's not quite the same as Landry and Beckham Jr. John, going back to the the winning march from the – to me from the the player acquisition side the LA Chargers have done a tremendous job so far bolstering their defense for an already talented offense they bring back Mike Williams uh, on a three-year 60 million dollar contract they they retain one of their own there they trade for Khalil Mack they sign JC Jackson uh the, the defense that was holding them back and keeping them from reaching the the possible ceiling for that franchise they're in a very tough division but the Chargers have vastly improved this offseason. Oh, my goodness, yes. And Justin Herbert, they're going into his third season. Great young quarterback. He's got to be the happiest. And I don't think they're through. I think we'll see them do more in free agency. That wouldn't surprise me at all. They don't dress the defense substantially in the draft. And uh, when you're playing against the quarterbacks they're playing in, in that division, you better be able to get the quarterback and you better be able to cover his receivers. I thought a very um, maybe this is a uh, unfair to Trubisky. I thought it was a very safe signing by Pittsburgh bringing in Mitchell Trubisky. When you compare it to you know Carson Wentz being traded to Washington, I liked what Pittsburgh did uh, signing Trubisky, and and ultimately they'll they'll end up adding another quarterback in some way this off season. But what do you think about the the idea of bringing Trubisky in after a year away from the starting position? He spends it in Buffalo, and now he has an opportunity to be the guy 
once again, and a franchise that's very stable. Yeah, Mason Rudolph, and they got Dwayne Haskins there. And I'm guessing the reason they did this is they don't like any of these quarterbacks in this draft. Otherwise, they could have got one in the first round and may still do it in the second round. The thing is, if they like Trubisky at Chicago, I understand it. But he didn't do squat in Buffalo to make anybody think he could play because you've got to go back to what he did with the Bears. And he wasn't as bad as everybody made him out to be. He just wasn't good as second overall pick in the 2017 draft. And he'll go to his grave hearing that he was drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, but he ought to be used to it by now. So for him to be able to go to a stable organization that goes into every season as a Super Bowl contender, he's got a chance to be NFL Comeback Player of the Year. But, John, do you view Trubisky as a bridge-type quarterback where they're still going to draft a young quarterback, have Trubisky start, and bring the young guy along? Or is this taking a chance on a guy who you think, hey, this could be our franchise guy. We're going to find out quickly, but we're bringing in a guy for him to be the franchise quarterback. This is not a we-know-what-we're-going-to-get type of scenario where you start him for a little bit until the next guy's ready. Chad like is like the box of chocolates. You never know <laughs> what you're going to get with Trubisky. Anybody thinks he's a franchise quarterback must have agreed with that trade-up to the second pick in the draft and taken him. He's never shown, even when he was helping the Bears go to the playoffs, that he's a great quarterback. Now, he can be a quarterback who can can help you, but, boy, you better not rely on him. You've got to have other weapons around him. And they, if they let Juju Smith-Schuster get away, they're going to need another receiver. They've got Najee Harris at running back. He gained 1,100 yards, but they still need to have more talent around him. I think with those three quarterbacks that I mentioned, I'll be surprised if they draft a quarterback in this draft, I think they'd be more likely to do it next year. John, did the Cowboys make the right call by trading Amari Cooper and then signing Michael Gallup? They certainly thought so. I tell you, Jonathan, he got hurt. He got hurt twice. Second time was serious. You know, they've been able to keep up with him and see how his rehab's going, but they think very highly of him. It seems like they could have done something to keep Cooper to play opposite C.J. Lamb if they wanted to, but it looked like they just gave up on Cooper. So they got to be hurt to be healthy, and they need to be healthy when the season starts. And hopefully he'll be able to be great because Ezekiel Elliott is not the same running back. I'm not so sure Tony Pollard isn't better than Elliott right now. Yeah, They still have some issues on offense that they think Dak Prescott can cure all ills. Yeah, they do. And uh, I know Lyle Collins uh, is, is on the move there, too. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's some interesting moves there because Gallup gets the big-time extension and they ship off Cooper. There was clearly something behind the scenes with all that uh, where that, that was growing old on them for whatever reason. Um, elsewhere, DJ Chark's a very good receiver. He's headed to Detroit. We're, we're likely not going to hear much from him. He, of course, got hurt last year. He's got to be healthy, and, and I like that move. I think that's good for Jared Goff and Dan Campbell's offense. He was he was not great, but he was good when he was with the Jaguars. Despite the instability on offense with coaching changes, system changes, terminology changes, you know, most people go from Jacksonville to Detroit. You're like, ah, you go from one terrible organization to another. 
that I think he'll be better off to get there, play indoors, playing with an experienced quarterback instead of a young guy still trying to make his way in Trevor Lawrence. John, I'm trying not to sound too facetious when I say this, but has Detroit just given up on the idea of having a great quarterback <laughs> at this point? Because it's the one team that's got a mediocre to below quarterback in the league that I'm not hearing any rumors of them trying to do anything about it. They're not going to draft a quarterback early in this draft. Uh, they're not in any discussions to trade for someone, Jimmy Garoppolo even, or someone of that level. Um, are they just resigned to, we're going to play it out with Jared Goff and try again next year? Maybe they're resigned to Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud because both those guys are supposed to be right up there at the top picks next year. Detroit, as always, will probably be right up up there. But I think they would, if they use their second pick on a quarterback, uh, say Matt Corral, if he's there, that wouldn't be surprising because they do need a – golf's not old, but I don't think anybody thinks golf is the long-term solution despite – him being a first overall pick and helping the Rams go to a Super Bowl, they lost to the Patriots. But uh, you're right. There hadn't been one one iota coming out of Detroit about them being interested in any quarterback anytime, not just with a second overall pick. John, what did you think when you heard that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are headed to Monday Night Football? It had been rumored a while. I'll tell you what. Shocked me as Al Michaels is going to make over $30 million, uh working at Amazon. Great for him. You know, who wouldn't rather have a golden parachute like that? I think Al's about 77, still does a great job. That means Buck and Eggman are underpaid. But you know, the fact is these networks make hundreds of millions of dollars, and the people that are out front, you know, the face of those networks, they shouldn't be paid a lot of money, and I like the competition. Aikman will make more money from ESPN than he ever made for the Cowboys. Joe Buck, I miss him on baseball. I don't know what y'all think about him on baseball, but I think he's real good. And they're talking about Kevin Burkhart, who's very good, taking his place. And those are some big shifts to fill yeah. in the World Series. John, we had this discussion last week, but um, you have these superstars in NFL broadcasting, and they have never been more valuable in these bidding wars with everyone trying to go after them. Are you surprised at all that there's not a deeper bench uh, for some of these networks where they're very confident in, we, we can pay half of what Al Michaels is going to make and get someone that we think is going to be the next Al Michaels and then pay that person when the time comes. There's not a lot of that in NFL broadcasting. It's just spit, throw as much money as possible at the top five or six guys and see if you can land one of them. No, there's not, Chadillac. And one of the things I don't understand is when you have all that much money, why let Troy Aikman get away over money? Why let Joe Buck get away a year early to be reunited with uh, Troy Aikman? And they were going to give, Fox was going to give Buck about a $5 million a year raise from 11 to $15 million, and he got even more. You know, that that's, that's tip money for those guys. Rupert Murdoch, you'd think he would hand down the word Keep Joe Buck no matter what. Keep Troy Aikman no matter what. Obviously, he didn't, and uh, that's great for them. And I think it's not so good for Fox because those guys are great together. And as I mentioned before, you know, Joe Buck, I think, is outstanding on baseball. And Chad, like, speaking of baseball, I'm guessing if I were a Braves fan 
And I got, I would be devastated if Freddie Freeman's not coming back at first base over a one-year disagreement. But man, oh man, to get Matt Olson, who is a great player. I've been watching him in the Astros division for years. You got to be happy with that. Well, and he's 27. You know, he's younger than Freeman. I think Freeman's 32. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would prefer Freddie Freeman, who's been the heart and soul of the Braves for a while now. And he had to stick through some really lean years with the Braves to get to the other side where he's the leader of a world champion team. But of the alternatives, that's the best of all the alternatives is to go ahead and, and, and have a preemptive strike and trade for Matt Olson and sign him to an eight-year deal. Uh, the Braves are set at first base. They were set with Freddie Freeman. And they're going to be set for the next eight years of Matt Olson. Now, I'm guessing that uh, Freddie's going to end up with the Dodgers. Well, and what's crazy, John, is Matt Olson's from Atlanta, so he's going home, and Freddie Freeman is from L.A. <laughs> so the, both could be end up going home in the end, where they grew up. Well, I still don't understand having a difference, if indeed this is the truth, over an extra year on a contract, paying a guy who still could be really good, but I don't understand letting a legend in Atlanta get away over one year. Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves are either playing three, 3D chess or they're just really petty. Uh, we're going to find out. <laughs> or they're just really stubborn well, and petty. One of the two. Well, he's been very shrewd. They're the defending World Series champions. And if you look at Matt Olson, that guy is great. He's a great guy. He's a great fielder. That is a tremendous addition yep. for the Braves. And if I'm the Mets and other teams in that division, I am up set. John, how far do you have your Baylor Bears advancing in the tournament in your bracket? If they beat Norfolk State, they got to play North Carolina. I watched North Carolina beat the heck out of Duke at Duke in Krzyzewski's last big game of regular season. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me Baylor doesn't go down there. They've had a lot of injuries. They only play in seventh players. Their league score has been out half the year. The best big man was gone for half the year, so I'm already fired up for next season. John McClain uh, with us each and every Tuesday at this time. You can follow him on Twitter, at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always, and uh, on the way out, uh, you passed this along to me, and we have uh, tweeted this out as well, uh, benefit for a Franklin police officer uh, who's in some uh, very bad shape health-wise, and uh, a benefit there to raise money um, you can follow us on Twitter for more information and on Facebook at Outkick360. Thank you for passing that along uh, because we will get the word out there. Guys, thank you very much for doing that. I appreciate it all as always. And tell Paul I missed him. We will. We will pass that on. Thank you, John. John, Thanks, John. McClain, the best, uh, with us each and every week. We continue with some NFL uh, news and notes. Plus, we will dive back into the brackets, the tournament, Officially underway this evening, Indiana's going to take on Wyoming in one of the two games. Uh, but we'll look ahead to Thursday's matchup and continue to break down what are some very tough regions. It's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
Chad, when the tournament uh, tips off tonight, but when it gets going on Thursday, there are two games on Thursday that I'm fascinated by. Hold on. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Uh, For me, right out of the gate on Thursday, Michigan taking on Colorado State. That's the first game Thursday morning, Central Time, 11.15 a.m., 12.15 Eastern um, on CBS. I... My, if you're trying to figure out how to bust my bracket, it's having Michigan fall fairly early because I've got them advancing uh, to, to take on Tennessee. Uh, and then one of the final games of the night on Thursday, Arkansas and Vermont. I've got the Razorbacks making a run. And that game is, that is a tough draw for Arkansas against Vermont. That matchup on TNT Thursday night where Arkansas is only favored by five points. And knowing that, I mean, Note is the guy. And nothing is more evident of that than the way Texas A&M shut him down. He had scored double digits in every game and then put up five points against Texas A&M in the SEC tournament. And that game wasn't even close. So is if you start thinking about, is Vermont capable of defending him, a guy who's... Very consistent, and the one game where he wasn't, they lost big. So, you've got Arkansas in the Final Four, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's a big one for you uh, to watch. Uh, I, I said it yesterday, Vermont won by nearly 40 points in their conference championship game. They're very good. Difference between a three and four seed, some argue it's just you know uniform color uh, when it's two and three and three and four. Uh, Vegas will tell you the difference. Five-point favorite for Arkansas. Tennessee's a three seed. They are a 17-and-a-half-point favorite against Longwood. A good 12-point difference mm-hmm. there between Vermont yeah. and Longwood against two similar teams in, in Tennessee and Arkansas in terms of their resume and how they looked yep. in the SEC. And Vermont is, is one of those – I mean, they're one of those NCAA veteran-type programs for yeah, the they, tournament. Yeah, they're there. You know? Yeah. You're seeing Vermont in a bracket. I remember them upsetting Syracuse, I think it was, one year. Or coming close, uh, they're they've hung around and been in there. They're not someone that's afraid of the spotlight. No, of playing in the NCAA tournament. It's a program that's used to being there out of the America East. Yeah, that that's a good one. That's one that I feel like so much. Every year we get this in the bracket where there's so much emphasis put on. Boy, watch out for this. Watch out for this upset. This is the upset. Every time we peg a 12 over 5 mm-hmm. and everyone's talking about it, that's not the one that hits. It's, it's a different 12 over 5 that hits. Everyone's talking about Vermont over Arkansas. Vegas even has it as a very close game. I just, I think Arkansas, they had a hiccup against A&M. Other than that, they had a bad half against Tennessee. That's it. I mean. For two months, that's pretty much it. They won their first nine games. They then lost they, they lost six of seven or five of six. And then after starting 0-3 in SEC play, they went on that run where they beat uh, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky. Now, all those wins came at home. They haven't – all their losses, I believe, yeah, all their losses are away from Bold Walton Arena. Uh, they were one of those teams that went unbeaten at home this year. Um, but, yeah, they, I'm, I'm picking Arkansas because of their consistency over the last two months. But the, the note not showing up for really the first time when I'm watching them, that concerns me against well, Vermont. And, and Note's a great uh, two-way player. He's, he's their best defender also. A terrific player. 
No, I, I, I'm with you. I don't like Arkansas to the Final Four, but I think they handle Vermont in this game. And Colorado State and, and Michigan, winner of that game, should get Tennessee if, they, if mm-hmm. they take care of Longwood in round one. I've got Colorado State winning that. Uh, Colorado State is one of those veteran-led mid-major teams. They're in a good conference also, better than most, a multi-bid league, but they just win a ton. When you look at their record, you see these teams that are you know, upper 20s in wins coming into the tournament, and those are tough teams to bet against going into the tournament. The other one that's on here is South Dakota State, who is 30-4 mm. and four coming into the tournament, and that's a three-and-a-half, four-point line against Providence. That's another 4-13 game. It's crazy to see the Vegas lines of some of these 4-13 games. Five and a half for Arkansas over Vermont. It's four or five. I need to double check that. But Providence over South Dakota State, that's another popular upset. The Jackrabbits of South Dakota State who won 30 games this year. These are going to be fun matchups to watch. I'm with you. That's a good early. That's a way to bracket your day. Yeah. Start with Michigan, Colorado State, and then end with Arkansas, Vermont. Those are two good games. Now, I will say, you know, Arkansas-Vermont is not that, – that's affecting my bracket. The game that's going to be really good is Murray against San Francisco, and that tips off about 20 minutes after Arkansas. That's the game I'll be watching. But the game that worries me the most, Razorbacks against Vermont, who may bust my bracket before he even gets going. You can join the Bracket Challenge, outkick.com, or follow us on Twitter for the link at outkick 360 Headlines of the day when we return, Trey Wallace will check in from Indianapolis as well.